here's what I wrote in my journal two years ago today. I can't sleep because of the likelihood we'll have to go back to the UK and not be allowed to come back to the US until after three years. Angered and grieving over the possible loss of our life here. I'm in pain. This is hard. This all may not be fully realized. It's not a definite outcome, but this is all a huge possibility. Beginning of 2020, nobody knew, my family didn't know, that I would be forced, my family and I would be forced to go back to the UK. Nobody else knew that when we got to the UK and we settled down, that the whole world would go into lockdown because of COVID-19. Nobody predicted that COVID would continue to be an issue in 2021. Most of you didn't know what you would go through last year, this time last year. And we are here, right? It's January 9th, 2022, and there are still so many uncertainties in this world. And I'm sure in your life, there are uncertainties as well. As we um, begin to voyage through 2022, if you're like me, I am fearful because there's so many unknowns, all right? So many unknowns. And so as we begin our voyage through 2022, it's good for us to make plans and set goals. But if we're wise, what we'll do is that we will make these plans um, in light of who God is and what he's done for us. So last year, what we did was we thought it would be good, a great idea to begin um, a study in the book of Ecclesiastes. This is um, an ancient wisdom literature that was written 3,000 years ago by an unknown author who likes to be called the preacher. Some people think it's Solomon, but I don't. Doesn't matter. We're moving on. From the very beginning of the book of Ecclesiastes, the preacher has been trying to get us to see that life here on earth is filled with frustration and disappointment. And so what he does is he describes life as hevel. Hevel is a Hebrew word that means vapor or smoke. Therefore, his perspective on life under the sun is that everything is for hevel. It's futile and it's fleeting. This week, we arrive at chapter 7. If you remember, 
at the end of chapter 6, the preacher, like he always does, um, posed some important questions. Have a look at the end of chapter 6 with me. He says this, all right? In the few days of our meaningless lives, who knows how our days can be best spent? Our lives are like a shadow. Who can tell what will happen on this earth after we are gone? And so what he's going to do is, from the beginning of chapter 7, what he's going to be doing is providing answers for these pressing questions. And he's going to be doing this by making a series of better-than statements. And what's fascinating, okay, about what we're going to be studying this morning is that the answer he gives are important for us as we embark on our journey through 2022. As I begin to journey through this year and think about all the unknowns, and think about how futile and fleeting life is, I'm grateful for several truths that I often take for granted. And these are the truths chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes brings to mind. Like, like in December, throughout Christmas, my family and I got COVID, <laughs> right? And it wasn't the most joyful of Christmases. It wasn't the most wonderful. It was nice. But I got COVID, wife got COVID, kids got COVID, and so many people got COVID. It's brutal. Beginning of this year, I think, oh yeah, this year, um, this, this week actually, this week, um, I got news. Um, actually, on Tuesday, I'm part of a prayer meeting on Tuesdays um, with some guys. And um, during our prayer time, um, one of them, um, asked us to pray for a local pastor who's up in North County because he had um, um, contracted COVID and he was, um, he, he was having complications. And so he kind of said on Tuesday, hey, guys, can we just pray for this pastor? And so we did. And on Wednesday, I woke up and got the news that he had passed away. What a beginning to this year. If you're like me, it's not like, it's 2022, let's go. I'm more like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen this year. That is why I am grateful for the following truths Ecclesiastes chapter 7 provides us. I'm grateful for, number one, the death and resurrection of Jesus, okay, I'm grateful for the word of God and the people of God. And lastly, I'm grateful for the sovereignty of God. And so let's look and see how chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes brings these truths to mind. And as we do, I know you'll be grateful for them as well. You guys ready? First, I'm grateful for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
All right, look at verse 1. It says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. First of all, the preacher compares a good reputation with the rich aroma of an exotic fragrance. Okay, back in Bible times, those times, I, I mean, a lot of us are like, man, I'd love to go back to the Bible times. No, but if you were to find a time machine and go back there, you would notice that it was dusty, it was incredibly smelly, Right? Um, and that was what those communities like. And so in a community like that, scented oils and other fragrances were valuable commodities. And so here the preacher is saying, having a good reputation, having a name that people admire is more valuable than being outwardly attractive of having a good appearance. Put simply, he wants us to value inner beauty Okay, more than outward beauty. Philip Ryken, who's an author, and I'm going to be quoting him a lot today, says that we are being called here to value the cologne of a good character above the cologne that gives us a good appearance. David Gibson says this, and it's going to come up on the screen. He says, there's no point smelling like a bed of roses if every time your name is mentioned at a dinner party people feel the emotional equivalent of nails screeching down a blackboard and so the question is when people think of you what do they think about what character traits come to mind when your spouse or your kids or members of your family or your roommates think about you, what character traits come to mind? What reputation do you have among the people closest to you? The preacher wants us to value inner beauty more than outward beauty. But... I would say this, okay, and it's clear in this. The reason why the preacher begins this way is so that he can inspire us to value something else we don't often value. And you, know, you want to know what it is? It's death. All right, let's look at the verse again. Look at it again. It says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. In other words, in the same way a good reputation is better than outward beauty, the day you die is better than the day you were born. <laughs> the preacher is on us, okay? And he's like, I'm not just going to say it once. I want this truth to absolutely sink deep into our souls. So what does he do? He continues to explain it a bit more. Look at verse 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Put simply, this is what the verse 2 is saying. It's better to spend your time at funerals than parties. Why? Because everyone's going to die. Verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. What exactly is he saying here? He's saying a wise person thinks a lot about death, but the fool only thinks about having a good time. 
And so, what's the point of verses 1 and the three verses that follow? This is what he's trying to get to us. Death deserves more credit than we give it. Death is a scary topic. All right? We live, I would say, in a death, death denying culture where we don't like to talk or think about death. And even as I talk about it now, I feel uncomfortable. And I'm sure some of you feel uncomfortable about this conversation about death. But Ecclesiastes wants us to change our attitude towards death. This ancient wisdom literature wants us to see that death and everything related to death, grief, sadness, funerals, if you think about it, it's not bad after all. Death is actually a good thing, and it has a lot to offer us more than we think. And so the question is, why is this true? Why is the day you die supposed to be better than the day you were born? Why are funerals better than maternity wards? And why are seasons of sadness and grief better than seasons of joy and jubilation? Kalo, can you turn up my mic a bit, please? Thanks. David Gibson says this. The day of death is better than the day of birth, not because death is better than life. It's not. But because a coffin is a better preacher than a cot. And I think that's true. Death... whether it's our death or the death of someone else, has lessons to teach us that life just couldn't. When we're faced with the reality of death, the things we give so much time to, if you think about it, the things we give so much time to, like sports or TV shows or entertainment or our careers or fitness, become worthless. But when we encounter death, the lives we touched, the generosity we showed, and the love we gave or received become so much more valuable. Wisdom and an appreciation for the simple things in life is often discovered at funerals or on our deathbed. Death is a powerful teacher. But I also think death has more to teach us than valuing the important things of life. If you're a Christian, if you think about it, death is actually one of the best things that can happen to you. Didymus the Blind, who is that, you may say? He was a third-century Christian theologian in the Church of Alexandria, where he taught for about half a century. He became blind at the age of four. Before he had learned to read, 
despite his blindness, Didymus excelled in scholarship because of his incredible memory. All right? What a guy. Type his name in Google. Didymus the blind. Awesome guy. When he studied this verse, he commented that a believer's dying day is best because it is the end and termination of evil. In other words, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, if Jesus is truly your king, the day you die is better than the day you were born because your death is when you enter into the presence of Christ where there is no more pain or suffering or sin or brokenness. Thomas Boston said it this way, In the day of his birth, he was born to die. In the day of his death, he dies to live. That's how he describes a Christian. And the reason why, for us as Christians, the day <laughs> we die is best. The reason why this is all made possible is because of the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The death and resurrection of Jesus is the only reason we can have hope. Hope of a better life after we die. Um, Philip Riken says this, the day Jesus was born was one of the best days ever. But even that blessed day is not the best day. We look beyond Bethlehem to Calvary where the Savior in the manger died upon the cross. It is not the birth of Jesus that saves us. Rather, it is the death of Jesus that delivers. It is only because the day of his death was so good, Good Friday, that we can have any hope of life after our own death. And so, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't fear death, but you should actually... <laughs> Look forward to the day you die. Why? Thomas Boston again. Our dying day is when we enter a better world with higher perfection, greater purity, deeper rest, better company, and better employment than the world we entered on the day we were born. Also, if you're here and you're not a Christian, and you're like, what am I doing here? These people are weird. They're talking about death. Is it a cult? What's the obsession with death? So if you're here and you're not Christian, this is what's true and this is what's on offer. The offer of salvation is available for you this morning. You can become a Christian. 
you can become a follower of Jesus. You can enter into, through Jesus, a relationship with the living God. And when you do, you can live your life not fearing death, but actually looking forward to the day you die because it's when you'll be in sweet fellowship with Jesus Christ. Before I got married to Eleanor, I was forced to think a lot about death. Firstly, I was like, I love Eleanor, and I really want to get married, and I don't want death to prevent me from getting to her and being married to her. Secondly, just before we were married, Eleanor got really sick, and I was freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, what happens if she dies? This is crazy, just freaking out. And the third reason I thought about death a lot before I got married to Eleanor was Eleanor's dad, one day, gave me a call and wanted to meet me. And he told me to meet him at the cemetery. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's true. True stories. Not exaggerating. Meet me at the cemetery. I was like, my goodness, Eleanor, is he okay? What's he going to do to me? And so I met him at the cemetery. And, you know, I was just keeping my distance. <laughs> but the whole point of the meeting was he wanted to remind me not what will happen to me and where I'll end up if I ever <laughs> do bad things to Eleanor, no. But he just wanted to remind me of how short life is and why it's important for me to live for Jesus in a radical way. I'm very thankful for that experience. I really am. And it stayed with me, of course, ever since. And I heard he does that to a lot of young guys. Just takes them to the cemetery. That's <laughs> what he does. And so will you let death teach you the limitations of your life? Will you let it reshape your goals, your attitude, the things you long for and, the, and, and work for and pray for and hope for the most? If you are a Christian, death is not your Lord and does not own you, okay? But it can teach you and cause you to value Jesus above everyone and everything. I love 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57. Look at what it says. Look at this. Look at this. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The 
this year, I'm not only grateful for the death and resurrection of Jesus, but I'm equally as grateful for God's word and his people. Look at verse 5. It says, It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. In other words, listening to constructive criticism from someone you know and trust is better than hearing praises from a foolish person. Why? Look at verse 6. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the, of the fools. This is also vanity. Right? If you have a friend or a relative that is wise, you've probably noticed that they will not always tell you what you want to hear, but at times they will tell you what you need to hear. And this is a good thing. Okay, and so uh, this is the wisdom the preacher wants us to embrace this morning. He wants us to stop listening to people who tell us what we want to hear, but to start listening to those who will tell us the truth, even if it's difficult and even if it hurts. Why is this important? Because, listen to this. Who or what you listen to will shape the way you live. Who or what you listen to will shape the way you live. Rhoda Campbell was a member of our church from the very beginning, and although her and her family moved to Virginia, her husband was in the Navy, and what she's done, which is awesome, is she stayed connected to our church, all right, ever since. Recently, she shared an article on our group me titled, Who Really Has Your Ear? Who Really Has Your Ear? In the article, written by David Masses, he helps us see how words are the great unseen power that give meaning to our world of images and shape how we choose to live. Okay? This is what he says in it. Read this, David Masses. He says, whether they are the words accompanying television and YouTube or the written words of articles and tweets or the purely audible media of podcasts and audiobooks, words form and fill our inner person, penetrate deeply and quickly shape our desires, decisions, and our outer lives. It's not a matter of whether words are shaping us, but whose. And he's absolutely right. The voices we habitually allow and welcome into our heads have profound shaping power on us. He also said, whom you hear with delight today will be who you become like tomorrow. And so, a new year, guys, it's a good idea to review the voices you listen to and decide whether they're wise or foolish. And so the question is, who are you listening to? All right? Who are you listening to? What do you listen to on the way to work or while you work, exercise or clean? Who do you go to for advice? What podcasts and shows and series? What takes up most of your time? Who are you giving your ear to? Are your choices governed by the pursuit of entertainment or the pursuit of God. 
And so this year, if you're looking for a New Year's resolution, if you're looking for a habit to really get yourself involved in, prioritize God's word. Prioritize God's word. Make his voice in scripture the first thing you hear each day. Start a Bible reading plan. Right? There's this app called Dwell, and it's fantastic, and I'm not getting any commission for it. Don't worry. Okay? It's fantastic, and it's just great at reading scripture to you. Have that playing in your car, or if you can't fall asleep, don't watch or see a show. Right? Put it on and let yourself be saturated with God's word because God's word will shape you and help you endure and navigate this seriously dark and broken and crooked world. Also, who are you listening to? Who are your friends? Who have you surrounded yourself with? Right? Who are you listening to? May you be grateful for God's word and his people. How different might this year be because of what you resolve to saturate your mind and heart with? And verses 7 and 12 contain more wisdom sayings, wise sayings that will help us avoid common dangers in life. Um, we're not going to have time to dive into them. Again, they're proverbs and wisdom sayings and in your own time. Remember, we were just talking about the importance of reading God's word. That is you guys' homework, right? Read and meditate, not just on, you know, what we've covered so far, but verses 7 to 12. Um, we're not going to have time to cover it, but read and meditate on them, okay? And so this year, I'm not only grateful for the death and resurrection of Jesus, I'm not only grateful for God's word and God's people, but lastly, I'm also grateful for the sovereignty of God. I'm grateful for the sovereignty of God. Look at verse 13 and 14, all right? Look at verse 13 and 14. Consider the work of God, the preacher says. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy, he says. But when times are bad, he doesn't say be happy, does he? He doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. <laughs> All right, if you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably heard about the sovereignty of God, right? Most of you have, right? This phrase basically means that God is in control of everything that happens here on earth. There are no limits to his rule. He is sovereign over the whole world and everything that happens in it. This is what the Bible teaches, and this is what Christians believe. But this teaching about the sovereignty of God is one of the hardest to understand and the most challenging to really believe. This is why. If God is in control of everything that happens here on earth, this must mean he's not only in control of the good things, but he's also in control of the bad things as well. This is the truth the preacher wants us to see in verses 13 and 14. 
It said, like, if you look at it, consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? All right? When times are good, be happy. When, when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. God is in complete control of both every good thing and every bad thing that happens here on earth. This feature of God's sovereignty is what makes this truth so hard to understand and accept. We have no problems believing God is in control of the good things that happens here on earth, but the bad things, we have a hard time and we struggle with it. God's sovereignty may be hard to understand. God's sovereignty doesn't have the best of first impressions. It doesn't. But let me assure you of this. All right? The sovereignty of God has to be one of the most comforting truths known to man. The sovereignty of God has to be. The fact that God is in control of everything, all right, has to be one of the most comforting truths known to man. And the reason why it's so comforting to know that God is in complete control of every good thing and every bad thing that happens here on earth, wait for it, is because he is good and he is wise, Whenever we talk about God's sovereignty, it's important to also talk about the fact that he is infinitely wise and unendingly good, whatever word that is, all right? Bruce Ware says this. This is why it's important to anchor sovereignty of God in his goodness and his wisdom. This is important because if God wasn't wise, we would worry that he would direct the world in ways that would not be best. Or if God, the sovereign ruler of this world, wasn't good, we would worry that he might use the world for wrong or evil purposes. That's true, isn't it? You trust someone with something based on who they are. Okay? You can never I'm never going to trust my kids with a big sword, okay? But I'll trust someone. You, you see what I mean? You see what the logic there? God, the ruler of the universe, is so good and so wise, we can be confident he will bring about wise and good purposes in our lives and in our world because God is good Everything he does or allows to happen will fit into his good and his perfect plan. His good and his perfect plan. This year, you will have good days and bad days. The truth is, and I'm not a prophet, (laughs) 
this world is crooked, this world is broken, and as a result, in 2022, you will encounter troubling times you wished you could change but cannot. All right? And when you do, may you find comfort in the truth that our wise and good God who loves you unconditionally is in complete control. He's in complete control. That's the reality. I am incredibly grateful for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm incredibly grateful for God's word and his people and I'm incredibly grateful that the God who saved me through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, the God who loves me unconditionally, the God who is incredibly good and wise, is in full control of everything that happens here on earth. Daniel Aiken says this, when you follow God's design in this fallen world, things may not always work out immediately, but they will work out ultimately. Romans 8, 28 to 30 says this, and I'm going to close with this. Close your eyes and listen to this, all right? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you, God. God, as we begin our journey through 2022, we are grateful for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we do not fear death. We do not fear death, but our death as Christians will be an entrance into everlasting joy and satisfaction in you without, you know, in your presence, without, without sin or pain or anything like that. God, thank you for your word that not, only, um, that not only is available to us, but your word shapes us and directs us and guides us and changes us and makes us more like Jesus. God, thank you for your church. Thank you for this community that you've given us. It's amazing. Help us to not take your people for granted. You have provided your church for us so that we can grow to become more like Jesus. And so, God, thank you. You are so good, you are so wise, you are so great, and it's amazing to know that you are sovereign, 
You are the sovereign ruler and in control of everything. And so God praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.